I remember once uh, I was having lunch with my mom and I was like a kid and I asked her, hey, mom, what's the poverty line? She went, oh, that's something so far above us. You don't have to worry about it. Now finish your lunch. <laughs> now, now finish your ramen noodles and buttered bread. The it, butter's a treat today. <laughs> it was a Runza sandwich, but yes. <laughs> And all of these places that I've never been to that honestly seem disgusting because I'm not a big seafood fan. Like, I love sushi. I don't like can't pretty do much sushi, anything can't else. Do it. I don't like any other seafood but sushi. I was in Salt uh, Lake City once, had a, I was at a speech, had some sushi, first time. I was told you can't take a bite of a piece of sushi, you have to put the whole thing in your mouth. And at the time I was like 18 mm-hmm. and I wasn't used to that. My gag reflex was like going off. And I went, I had like four pieces and I'm done. My speech coach, Great, uh, great person. Like a, like a mom, really. She says, no, that's not enough for a dinner. You need to eat up. And I went, <laughs> okay. And I had like one more and I threw up. All, like, you know how when you actually get sick, your body gives you a 30 second warning. Oh, by the way, welcome to uh, Running the Light. Um, so anyways, I don't have that reflex. I throw up on the table. Oh. And on oh. a plate, on a plate, Rochelle looks at me and like, go run to the restroom. She grabs a waiter. Gives her the plate and we all leave. Not before Alan, who always likes kind of fucking with me, says, we're all going to take a picture for a minute before we leave. I went, you son of a bitch. Just let me be sick and embarrassed (laughs) away from here. This is is eight different ways my personal hell. (laughs) People are looking at me. Uh, I miss all those restaurants, though. Like Coniglia's... uh, Bohemian Cafe. I miss Bohemian Cafe. I never went. That or Gerda's or uh, God, what's that little Romanian place around 50th and Leavenworth? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't think of the name. Me neither. It's something. It's something very Romanian. Yeah, though. it might be German. They get really big during uh, Oktoberfest, is all I remember. Uh, and they were right across the street from Three's Happiness, which is a fucking awesome Chinese food place. Aren't they also across the street from uh, Legends? That Old Legends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and now just right up the street. I remember when Legends opened. I was there at their opening day because I lived right across the street and I was a huge, com- I'm still a huge comic nerd. Mm-hmm. I uh, mean, to each their own. No, it was fun. Uh, I bought some Superman books. I think I still own those Superman books. Honestly, I wish I had kind of gotten into comic books as a kid. Like I was really into sports and everything. I, I wish I had gotten into comic books because now I feel like I could have a more valued opinion about no. what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No. But Nope. Nope. None of it matters. None of it matters. <laughs> And if you got read Modern Marvel, Modern Marvel kind of sucks, except for Miss Marvel, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, um, and some Spider-Man. That's all I can actually think of that I give a sh- uh, Silver Surf is really good right now. Uh, that's it. Fuck it. The rest <laughs> is okay. DC has some stuff that I'm actually enjoying. So anyways, uh, what did you do this week, David? <laughs> this week, uh... On on uh, on Saturday, uh, Zach Peterson and I hosted our show at the Backline Theater, mm-hmm. uh, Broken Magic Comedy Hour, every sa- every first Saturday of the month at seven o'clock. Nice. Uh, Nathan Lund from Col- uh, Denver, Colorado, was our headliner this time. He's a uh, he's fantastic. Just a, it was a fantastic show. Had a great time. Uh, and then tomorrow, I'm doing some sort of private show. For the County Assessors Conference at the Ameristar Casino in Council Bluffs. Oh, that so sounds that's like what fun. I'm going to be doing. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting because 
for them, it's a professional conference and they're are going to be doing stuff all day. And then at the end, when people are tired, they just want to go back to their room, maybe go gamble at the casino. They're going to sit them down and make them watch a comedy show. So we'll see how that goes. Terribly. It's going to go terribly. In terms of show, uh, do you do anything that's like not shows this week? Like watch uh, anything, read anything, visit the graves of all the <laughs> restaurants you went to? <laughs> no, no. That, that's going to be a real sad trip one day. Because I know my parents occasionally would, drive us around and they would show us places that they used to hang out growing up as oh god stuff. i even thought and about that yeah and my like if i when i do that with my kids like all of the shit's gonna be closed and i'm not gonna remember where half of it was anyway because i grew up yeah when we went to these places i still wasn't i wasn't very conscious at the time like no. i we would just go to coniglia's i the only reason i remember it being in south O was because my dad said he grew up around there and he grew up in South Omaha. That's the only reason I remember it was in South Omaha. Uh, I mean, as far as like not show stuff, I've really nothing of significance popped up. I mean, I did have a good week writing wise. Like I yeah. wrote a couple of stuff because I, I mean, for the most part, I just have a bunch of time to sit and think and mull over stuff. And occasionally something will pop into my head like, oh yeah, that was, that was kind of messed up. Let's see if I can make a joke about it. Like the, uh, like the joke that I'm really excited to do right now is about my pastor telling me that my dog wasn't didn't go to heaven because dogs don't have souls. <laughs> yeah, no, it's something that's fucked me up real bad as a kid. But now I'm like, yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on the OCD, uh, like a small OCD joke and a, the arrested joke. Yeah, I heard and you. I, I heard you do that last night at the back line. It's sounding. It's sounding a lot better because you broke those two sections yeah. up. Yeah. The OCD is because they were both like two sentences. Just about to get, those are, that's ready. It's just locked, loaded. We're good. It's mm -hmm. fine. The cop one, I'm still trying to figure out like a, I just want a funny first line and a, the ending's fine. The final line's fine. It could be punchier, mm -hmm. but it's also okay. So I mean, I'm just working on it and tightening up because I'm kind of dicking around in the middle. Uh, mm -hmm. now that's free formed. So I'm just trying to figure out a way. Uh, other than that, that's kind of what I'm focusing on that and like looking up shit and trying to get shit ready for, uh, uh, LA this month. I don't have a lot of shows, uh, this month. So you're just getting ready for LA. I'm just getting really ready. I'm doing the thing I'm most nervous about. I'm getting real nervous. I have to write in the LA comedy pages about mm -hmm. like, Hey guys coming up for a little oh, while. God. I'm going to have to do that here soon because I'm heading out to Colorado at the yeah. end of August. And uh, I've, I've emailed some bookers and they've gotten back to me, but that still doesn't like complete. Like I want to try to do a show each night I'm out there. So I'm going to have to go post into their, hey, I'm coming yep. to Denver page on Facebook. And I'm always so nervous about that because unless the right people vouch for you. Yeah. Like people don't. I was told that there's the guy that I that was booking one of my shows can vouch me for flappers. And it's like, I'm really scared about emailing flappers. Dude, fucking do it. Flap. I will. I'm going to tonight. <laughs> but here's the thing. I was like, I'm not. Oh, don't email them tonight. Email no. them in the day during yeah. business hours. Well, I'm going to write it down and send it to comics. I know it's like, read this. Does it sound good? Read this. Does it sound good? Because I am so nervous. This That's the thing I hate the most about comedy besides hosting, booking, writing, and oh, reaching out to bookers of any oh, sort, hell. whether it be an independent show or a comedy club, or if you're submitting to a festival, I always. Festivals are fine for me. 
because it's online. There's no person. It's mm. I, and I forget about it for months. Um, I can't I can't block out that there's not the fact that there's like I don't see comedy festivals as like there's some entity out there and that's who it's going. No, this is going to a group of people who run the comedy festival who probably also run and book a bunch of other stuff in the town that they run the festival in. Right. So I can't get that out of my head. I always get, I don't know, I get shaky for like a day after I send out emails and stuff. I've been pushing this away for a week. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to do this. I have to. Yeah. And granted, that- like two shows in LA is for a week, not bad. And then I can just enjoy it for a week. If, if you're not on shows, just go out and do stuff. Go out and watch a show at the comedy store. Go yeah. out and just see L.A. Make it a vacation. Go to a beach. I mean, I mean, you can. I'm not a fan of the ocean. I but. like. I, I am. I love big things. I was also born in California, so like early memories is of the ocean. Oh, no shit. Born in California, then moved to North Carolina where my sister was born. So I'm like, I'm used to a lot of water, and I love looking at big things of water. Hmm. Uh, in fact, it was still like during the winter area when I went to Michigan for the Paul Bunyan Comedy Festival. There was still snow on the ground, but I still woke up every morning and walked out to the giant lake and just stood <laughs> out there like an old man with my hands in my pocket. It's like, this is nice. That seems very on brand for you. It's just- so nice. I mean, I'm flying in on the 31st and I'm going to try and get there at night so I can maybe do a like a really last minute show. But I'm, oh no, I know. Yeah. I know. You're going to get off an airplane. At LAX. Yep. And you're going to go do a show. I'm willing. Good luck. I have committed to worst. I have committed. I've been sick. I've been panic attacky. Done it all. Good fucking luck. Uh, Just good, good luck. I've never had a, I've never had a day where I've flown into a place and it could even be the most mild airport in the world. I've never got done with a day of travel via plane and been like, okay, I want to go do a show. It's usually, I'm going to lay down where there are no other people for at least 12 hours because I am sick and tired of everyone. My ears take 12 to 24 hours to unpop. And yeah, I've tried the yawning. I've tried gum. It just hurts. And I'm just there for, I just can't hear for a while. I was like, I'm just doing this now. Then you definitely shouldn't go to a fucking show. Here's the thing. I, I'm going to steal something from one of uh, Patton Oswalt's books, mm-hmm. Silver Screen Fiend. Yeah. No matter how sick you are, you can have stuff coming up both ends. You can be sweating, have the worst type of sickness, but there is stage health where you can push yourself through 5, 10, 15 minutes and just plow through it. Mm-hmm. And then once the stage is, once you're off stage, you're sick again. And I'm, I've banked on that way too many times and it has worked. Oh, I'm a big believer in stage health. It's still just, if you can't hear anything, like, I'm not sure if you get in on stage, will fix your, you know, your nope. ears trying to no. balance, but no, uh. just, just talk a little bit softer than that. Just run with it, run with it, make it work. But anyways, that's what I've been focusing on that. And I'm watching UHF tonight at the Alamo. It's a weird Al movie. Weird Al made one movie um, with Orion Productions, which uh, Orion put a lot of money behind it because he was also in the Naked Gun movies. I thought this was going to be their new Naked Gun, their new airplane. It didn't make a lot of money. They kind of went under after that. Also, they made a lot of poor decisions beforehand. It wasn't just the movie. Um, but it was a great 
It was a really great slapstick style comedy starring Weird Al. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George. How would you like your own TV show? Okay. Channel 62 needed a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. Well, this is even better than I imagined. But what they got was a man so desperate for ratings. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. He put anyone on the air. It's Weird Al Yankovic in UHF. Uh, Weird Al is one of the reasons why I'm in comedy today. Uh, that makes it, a lot of sense. I love Weird Al. I, uh his it's weird because it's also like he has like a lot of anti-consumerism or materialistic qualities, especially his 80s stuff. Um, I'm just a huge fucking Weird Al fan. And UHF is a great movie with a great title track. I love the song UHF and I can't wait to go. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, that explains the fucking Hawaiian shirt. You're it wearing, is. It you? is. Uh, it, oh, so excited. <laughs> I thought you were just having some body dysmorphia. I'm like, Jeremy, you're not that fat yet. You don't need to wear Hawaiian it's shirts. Also, it's also a slightly more like bigger shirt for me, and it's hot. Loose clothing for uh, the yep, hot yep. Yeah, okay, yep, see, okay. see, I'm smart. I'm smart. I never yeah. said you were dumb. <laughs> I got, I got I ideas. I never said you were smart that's either. Fair. No, but that's fair. <laughs> uh, that and reading the other inspiration for my comedy is I've been reading a lot of Mad Mad Magazine. I fucking love Mad Magazine, especially since they're closing down. Like, I, I was really, gonna say, I, just, I think I just heard that they're closing down. What right? they're That's, technically doing is they're now going to do like yearly like things, like Mad about movies, Mad about Star Wars, stuff like that. Mm. I'm like that's a bummer because Mad Magazine is such a great institution, especially the reboot that happened like a year ago. They had a bunch of comedians write for it and whatnot. It's mm. a re- it was a really good production. Um, I think it's just hard to maintain anything in a print medium. Anymore. That isn't a gun magazine or a porno magazine. Cracked did it well, I think, even though Cracked's meh, but they, they moved to the online. They have a website. Or even like, fuck, I, I will listen to, the, I read The Hard Times, I read mm. Onion, and I read Clickhole, and all of those are just basically Mad Magazine online. Yeah, well, I mean, all of those were originally print publications, and then they made their move. I don't think Hard Times... Hard Times, no, no. Hard Times came around at the time of, of the internet. online yeah. satire. And so did Clickhole. Yeah, and so those are uniquely, like, they are a satirization of satire, Yeah, essentially. Um, but, like, The Onion was, Cracked was, and then they very early made the jump to the internet, internet. And I, like, I've never seen anything from Mad Magazine on online. 18, once, once AT&T bought it a year ago, they, they said they didn't know what to do with that. And with Vertigo, which were smaller publications in D.C. that just weren't going to be super lucrative. Mm-hmm. And after a year, they both got killed. Uh, that's too bad because Vertigo had, like, the Sandman and a bunch of really great uh, comics. Uh, I studied comics in college, so this is where I get to bring my degree out. Where the uh, fuck did you go? I went to Kearney and I studied English, but one of the things that me and my professor that I worked really close with is we talked about comics and we worked about comic comics as an alternative medium of telling literature. And it's great. Um, I think it's an understated way of a form of literature. Yes. A lot of people assume like if you're getting an English degree, you're getting it to study the great works, like the great novels and all that stuff. Why can't you study comics? Honestly, some of the or children's lit's also really fun. Children's lit is fucking amazing. If you get a chance, I don't know. <laughs> I like non-alternative medium, like a non-traditional medium for lit. Uh, I wrote a paper on Calvin and Hobbes, and it's inspiration from Pogo and Crazy Cat. 
Okay. It was fun. It was actually really good. Uh, you had me on Calvin and Hobbes. You lost me at the second part of that. Uh, Pogo was in her 1920s uh, Louisiana swamp with a bunch of really cute critters. Mm. Uh, and they kind of talked political and whatnot. Crazy Cat is a really one. I wrote a 30-page paper on it. Uh, it's about a uh, non-binary cat, uh, Crazy Cat, who is in love with Ignat's mouse and off as a pup. Um, and it was made in 1913. Uh, it was a great uh, strip with some. Also, it did this one thing, and I really love about humor because it had one joke. Ignatz would throw a brick at Crazy. Every day would be the same setup or the same punchline, actually, but it's the setup that always changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the one that I remember is it was supposed to be filmed like an old documentary or an epic at the time where it was just a wave coming in and out and then a brick. It's like before there was life, before there was love, there was the brick. And you know the idea beforehand. You don't need to see the punchline. You just know that the setup's there. And I compare that to like a, a fucking Garfield one. Which you, in the last podcast, like you can skip all of it. Oh yeah, the last one that we did where we talked about all you need to do is read the last panel of Garfield comic. And- Garfield is a cancer on the newspaper page. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate Garfield. Um, but Crazy Cat is like, you can do a lot with the same punchline. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about, like, before I think, before I turned on, hey, man, you and I really like King of the Hill. King of the Hill is just an American family sitcom. Yeah. The punchlines are always the same, but it's just twer- tweaking it. Yeah. Like, there are times where comedy can be very formulaic. But good. And still be good. Like, you see it with pretty much every sitcom ever. Or every cartoon ever. ever. It's the same thing almost every time. But you switch it up enough, you play with it enough, you, te- you tweak it just enough that it's different than what happened last episode, and it's still fun, and it's still good. Yeah, I'm noticing this. I just found out, because I have uh, the uh, Hulu Premium. That's how I watch TV. Like That's same. how I watch all my live TV and stuff. Oh, I didn't do the live TV. What, what? It, well, I found out that... You know, for that and the same price of my internet package would be the same cost if I got TV through my internet provider. And my my TV through the internet provider wouldn't give me ESPN, Big Ten Network, uh, Food Network, or anything else that I actually watch. So I just got that. Well, it turns out with that, I also got all of the season on Hulu through an FX subscription. So I found out with uh, the Hulu, apparently I get all of the seasons of The Simpsons Mm. as part of that deal. I don't know how or, but I love that because I've gone through and I watch all my favorite Simpsons episodes. But what I've realized, even though I still love them, most of them are essentially the same. Yes. Just you switch out what characters are in at any given episode. And when they do switch out, it's really special. Like my favorite episode of season two episode, Lisa's Substitute Teacher. Yes. Yeah, with yes. Dustin Hoffman. Um, really fun, non-conventional, or the Bleeding Gun Murphy episode. I love the Bleeding Gun Murphy. Bleeding Gun Murphy is one of my favorite fucking characters. Um, Honestly, when he died, I that was like the closest I ever came to crying watching an animated TV show. Like No no animated TV shows are really tugging at the heartstrings. So, I mean, The Simpsons you're, tried you're a couple of times. You're not watching a lot of anime is really what I'm learning. No. Oh, God, I am the nerd of the group. Oh, God. How are you just now finding this well, like, out? I'm... Look what's behind us. Yeah. All I saw was the three signed baseballs up there on the second shelf. That's what I saw. I saw Afro Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> like every year I fight people over best animated picture. 
because it shouldn't just go to Pixar. Pixar is fine. Pixar is good. But I think a movie that progresses animation or uses animation styles in a, a uniquely different way, like when it was Kubo versus Utopia. Granted, Utopia is a great movie. Uh, Kubo uses 3D printing animation in order to make more smaller uh, facial movements in order to have a more kind of moding from its main characters using stop motion and therefore is more interesting in terms of animation process. Or I fucking love it in the Spider-Verse, not only because it's a Spider-Man movie, but because it's animating on the ones instead of animating on the twos. It's use of multiple different styles and filters makes it a very unique movie to look at versus like Incredibles 2, which is just good and tries to look more like the real world with stylized characters. And I was like, that's fine. It's just, I want something more artistic in my animation. I get really in depth about these things. Fuck you. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> what? Fuck you. What? <laughs> Don't talk to me during the I've first never, week of February. I, I have never heard an adult man be so pretentious about animated kids movies. <laughs> animation is an art form. Yes, it is. So uh, seeing how, and as someone who wanted to be a part of that world and creating animation in that way, it, the little details of how things can be made are very interesting. And Pixar is fine in storytelling, but in terms of its animation, it's fine. It has great character designs, but in, in terms of everything else, it's just has a lot of money thrown at it. And I'd rather see more style than tech in anything. In almost anything, I would rather see something with like that's more stylistically different and weird and use its medium in like weird wild ways than just it's technically really good. I might need to step out for another cigarette just to cool down for a little bit. <laughs> I'd You're, rather hear a guy in a chicken suit fucking be weird for five minutes than a guy telling the best laid out, technically well-written jokes. I want to see something different. I, I really want to see something different. Who? I'd rather watch a Kaufman. Who? No. Oh, yes. No. Yes. No. no. Yes. Look. I appreciate the technicality. I appreciate how well you're making things work. Here, here's the thing. Just going back to comedy real quick about those goofy, weird niche guys. Like the dude who showed up to the back line a couple of weeks ago Granted, dressed, in a full, dressed in a full chicken suit with a bottle of Jack Daniels and a cigarette yes. in his mouth. That can be done well. So very, very rarely. Yes. Like Andy Kaufman. That's it. That's the only person I can think who can go up on stage and like eat a bowl of ice cream as fast as he can for his set yeah. and have that be entertaining. Anybody else who tries doing anything like that. I would argue like stuff like that and like then stuff like William Street and Adult Swim prove that there is this weird alternative anti-joke thing like Eric Andre. And I'd rather sit through an Eric Andre thing than a really well-crafted monologue. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Neither of them were without their merits. Right. The Eric Andre show great. is fantastic. But when it comes down to what would I rather watch? Like if I had to watch one thing, like I, I got to watch one talk show for the rest of my life. Am I watching the Eric Andre show or am I watching, you know, Jimmy Fallon or Stephen Colbert or yeah, any, no, of, the, any of the other? Boring milk toast one. You had to sit through Fallon. Everyday Fallon. I'll, or I'll, Kimmel. I'll sit through Fallon. I could not sit through Kimmel. I'd rather watch something that's wild or weird or makes you feel uncomfortable than something that is so boring and miltose that I'd feel nothing. 
and I don't get any enjoyment because I don't feel anything. I'd rather feel something than nothing. <laughs> Let's just talk about the fucking <laughs> album we're here to talk about, okay? <laughs> oh. So I finally got to pick the first comedy album uh, yes, of this I, adventure. That, yeah, for anybody confused why I'm on the show for a second time. There was uh, a scheduling issue. Yeah, and Jeremy wanted to talk about uh, an album of his own choosing instead of having the guest choose it. And it just so happened to be an album that I also thoroughly enjoy. So one of my personal favorites I've listened to like multiple times whenever I'm driving to a show out of town. This is usually on the list mm -hmm. of things I'm listening to. I like his old stuff better by Kyle Kinane. And uh, sometimes when I'm when I'm listening to these albums before a podcast, I want to find out like what's the th what's the theme I want to talk about? What's the thing? Uh, other than the fact that this just has some really well-written jokes and why do I like these jokes? And it's, it's something as simple as a voice inflection is just fun for me and presentation. Kyle Kinane uses his voice to kind of really spin a joke. And that's what I love. Something like the, just something like as simple as like the kid therapist, like freaking out over yeah. that. You can hear his voice change in so many different ways that you can feel his body move mm. without actually having to see his body move Yeah, over and over again. And it's amazing. Yeah, You can definitely, there are a lot of times where he creates like uh, it, it's similar to what we were talking about last time with uh, Gary Goldman on the last time I was on, he creates like a world that you're living in, but instead of creating a scene, he creates a moment. Yes. Like you can, like you can, you're not diving deep into a, into a scene. You're experiencing like a one-off thing. And that is like when he, the college therapist is uncomfortable with him and he's going through all the inflections and the, like, it'd be like if somebody unloaded something really deep onto you, you definitely do the, oh, wow, ha, hoo, hoo. you get to experience that and you understand that emotion and that feeling. Exactly. Uh, and question I, I try and ask comics is like, why did you pick this album? And so I had to ask me, why did I pick this album? Uh, Kyle Kinane is a great example, especially in this album. It's the idea of you can tell who Kyle Kinane is as a person or if you want to think about it in performance ways, a character. You know who Kyle Kinane is through his jokes, through his writing, through his mm -hmm. speech. He feels like that guy with a huge beard and a black metal t-shirt who wants mm -hmm. to talk to you about his favorite band smoking out uh, out of back of a bar. You have met a person like Kyle Kinane if you have gone to any dive bar, bar Fuck in yeah. America. I've and worked with a guy like Kyle Kinane. Yeah. And that is one thing that I think is so unique about him as a performer is he is very much just like he feels guy at a bar who has some funny stories to say, but in such a captivating and interesting way that you're, you have a hard time not, you have a hard time not, not paying attention to him. Like you right. want to pay attention to him. And one of the questions I remember being asked uh, a while back, I was talking to, uh, Cameron Loxton. Yeah. And I used to work with him when we did speech. And so I asked him just straight up, I was like, how can I improve? I want to be better at comedy. Mm -hmm. This was a year in. I dropped the shtick. <laughs> I just wore t-shirts. <laughs> I still have that kazoo. I know. You brought it out for a couple times. In I have. The show, Branches I have. Throne. For Branches yeah. Throne. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, character. Yeah. Uh talking to Cameron and it's like, what are, and, and Dusty Link also came in. It's like, what are you? Mm -hmm. I still think about that. 
a lot. What am I? What is who is who am I on stage? And I think every comic, once you're writing after a while, you think, what am I? What is my persona to a degree? And not to get head up a grassy, but the more you talk, the more you perform, the more you realize that there is a version of you. Mm. It's different than the person off stage, and you got to create who that is. The guy off st- on stage is, for me, depressed but with a smile on and controlled anxiety. Mm. And that's not me off stage. No, you're just depressed. I'm just depressed. And uncontrolled anxiety. It's a problem. That's I, why I'm here today, my, Jeremy. My <laughs> doctor my doctor, and I have talked. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like if you're a good comedian, you have to ask yourself that occasionally. Like, who am I? What am I doing is this who I really want to be portraying Ooh. when I get on stage? It's a deeper question than I expected, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not so much. a. It, it's it's less a coming of a story and more like, how can I sell myself for five minutes? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but you, you still want to put your, like, you want to put a palatable version of yourself. Like, like there are parts of me that I can't really show on stage for various reasons. Like I can't really get super angry on stage. And that's a big Be- part of you. <laughs> but that, it is. <laughs> but you told I, me to go fuck myself multiple times. And your wife has a nickname for you called mad cow's guard disease. Yeah. That's, that's not a nickname. My wife gave me. That's a nickname. Other comedians gave me oh. early on in my comedy career. And I heard the story that, that is- your wife gave you that name. And I thought that made your guys' relationship a adorable oh no she oh she will point out to me like in everyday life like you're suffering from mad cow's guard disease right mm. now and i'm like mm. but like if i got on stage and i immediately started being mean a guy who right. looks like me the way that i look built the way that i sound the way that i'm built yeah people wouldn't find that fun people would just find that overly aggressive i'm scared of you yeah and that's one thing so i I'm taking anger out of my, I'm still not limiting myself to where I can't get mad about something, but now it's, it's, I'm trying to frame things in more of a playful light right? because ultimately as a person, I will, that's who I am. Like I'm a more playful, like even when I was telling, saying fuck you earlier, it was fun. I was doing it as a joke, right? but I can't really do that when I'm on stage. But you also can't stress that enough. I should go fuck myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just want I don't get a free pass. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I like you. We get along fine. And I was joking when I said it, but also, you know, yeah, fuck, fuck you a little bit. I still <laughs> have that jacket. What what jacket? That, oh, the tweed jacket. I like a tweed jacket. Honestly, I see them every once in a while. I'm like, one day I'll be bold enough to actually pull that off. Tweed jacket and a nice like uh, colored uh turtleneck. Like a wine color turtle. You know what? That's smart. Okay, let's not get <laughs> carried away. But no, like you, when you're a comedian- I'm you're someone's lo- dad. And you were looking how to present yourself and you were trying yes. to figure out who you are and what you were putting out there into the world. You have to ask yourself that constantly mm-hmm. because that's the biggest way that you grow because you're growing and changing as a person offstage. There's no reason that your character shouldn't grow and change on stage. Perfect example is somebody like uh, Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt, if you listen to a lot of his old stuff, vastly different. Kind of shits on, he shits on marriage. He shits on having kids. Well, later specials, he's married. He has a kid. Yeah. He's, so you are constantly are growing and changing and evolving as a person, mm-hmm. but you have to address and ask yourself, am I, what am I putting out there? And is it working for me? Is it making people, 
seem more interested in mm-hmm. my standup or is it turning people off? And here's about that. Let's do a comparison. Some mm-hmm. people might think of that, especially if you're a newer comedian. And if you're listening, hi, go watch a better comedian than me. And, but they think well, that means I make a character and I have to be this, I have mm-hmm. to make a whole new persona. Don't, you're not making somebody. Mm-hmm. You're boiling down you to a way that is, you're, cr- mm-hmm. yes, you're creating a persona, but it's belt up the legwork that is you. Compare that to me now. I can, I do well. Mm-hmm. You saw me at the open mic. I do quite well. I can tell a good joke when I'm not in my, when I'm not anxious. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually confident I can do a good show. Yeah. I compare that to Jeremy and Tweed Jacket with a kazoo. Mm-hmm. Or if you can't picture that, a Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. As somebody who is legitimately a character. character. That's not, okay, Larry the Cable Guy sells out fucking auditoriums. I get it. He worked in a small dosage in front of four different other people. And three of them were very much themselves. Maybe not so much Foxworthy, but... I mean, I I would say uh, just watching those growing up, I think Foxworthy was a fairly genuine yeah. human being. He just had his one stick. Stick. That, it was a good stick, though. Yeah. Two sticks. Uh, redneck Dictionary and... You might be a redneck. redneck. But also, if you listen to his regular jokes, he's actually a very f- good joke writer, very competent joke writer. So is Ron White. And so is Ron White. And so is... Billing while I'm still here. It's man, whatever. He is he is the epitome of like, oh, family jokes aren't always funny. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Bill Inval made me hate family jokes, and then Chad Daniels made me love family jokes again. Yeah, but you don't make a caricature; you make yourself. But it is an amplified, marketable. It is an amplified version of yourself. Like there are a silhouette of you. Yeah, like there are parts of you that are on when you're on stage that are amplified to the nth but then there are also parts that are dampened like me i have i do get angry at a lot of stuff i play down my angry part on stage because i just know it doesn't work for me like it doesn't work it doesn't help me sell a joke at all right The feelings that I can really feel, I can feel mad. I can feel flabbergasted. I can feel frustrated, but I can never feel, I can never reach angry. No. Because it just, it doesn't work. Like comedians, other comedians find it very funny when I get angry (laughs) on stage. Audience members Mostly when someone's foot is on stage. Oh, no, that's just a cute little thing I do where I (laughs) kick the person's foot off stage. That's fun for me. Uh, Or a good example, another example, me. I have this childlike, I play like this little brother persona sometimes. Yeah. I'm not that off stage all the time. I'm a drunk. And, <laughs> um, and I, I have OCD and I have depression. I turn down the sad droopy like style. I kind of bring up the childlike, which is why I sometimes describe myself as like childhood wonder into the abyss is kind of how I write a joke. Like he's happy, but he's depressed. Mm-hmm. I say, dep- I say depressing stuff with a smile on. Uh, or if I'm talking about my OCD, I don't, I can't have a fucking panic attack on stage, but I can show a little bit of that anxiety. I can open up a little mm-hmm. bit. Because uh, if you go too far one way or the other with certain aspects of your personality, when you're on stage, it can be a turn off and it cannot help you. Like there was a guy last night who first time guy, he was doing some joke about how he gets angry and he, throws a stool down on the stage. He was also stomping. Yeah. 
I mean, it was his first time. He's not going to know this, but just as a person watching this, you're looking at it and you're thinking, this is too much. This is uncomfortable to watch. Right. Or or you've, you, if you've been to enough open mics, you've seen guy who's way too sad and that's his bit. Compare Mm -hmm. that to Kyle Kinane's. I'm I'm thinking bad thoughts and it makes me uncomfortable. And if you want to know what OCD feels like, that's the joke. <laughs> that's the joke. Like, I get yeah. it. And that's the type of joke I've always wanted to write. That panic attack is like I'm thinking, oh God, I did this thing. I accidentally dropped a brick on a on a baby animal. Mm-hmm. And now I can't get that thought out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that joke in and of itself is very relatable. Even without OCD, like I'm, right. I have never been diagnosed with OCD, but that joke relates. I relate to that joke very well. We started talking about his persona, and we never circled back around to it. We started talking about our own bullshit. Well, I think personas is important because mm-hmm. I think like if joke writing wise, his inflections are really good. Yeah, and I think that sells a lot of it. Not in saying that his writing isn't bad, mm-hmm. but his inflections are really good. And, but also when it comes to like Kyle Kinane's persona, Kyle Kinane's persona and what he is on stage matches up very well. Right. His persona is very much a, like it, 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 the way it comes off to me is he was a punk rock guy growing up. Oh, you can tell. Yeah. You, and you can tell. <laughs> and he's very loose. He just wants to have fun. He drinks hard. He f- has fun. Uh, and you can tell that in some of the jokes that he tells. But, also, he's getting to a point, especially in this album, where he's talking about getting older, how that lifestyle is turning. Yep. And he is essentially the punk lifestyle taken, you know. And we, ha- we know it, that In guy. its later years, personified. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you took the, just the concept of punk, what are you thinking? You're probably thinking somewhere, some somebody between 16 and 19 years old. What if that person was 40? What are they looking like? And what are they sounding like? And how are they acting? It's Kyle Kinane. They're in a lot of pain. Yeah. Just physical body pain. Yeah. Yeah. And they're trying to do dumb shit, but they realize they can't do it forever. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I don't know. People talk about like what you want to write about. And mm-hmm. sometimes that shit comes naturally. Yeah. And I think when you create a persona, you then in turn create what you want to write about. And not even so much if you're creating a persona, but if you're just being honest with yourself. It comes out. It just, it naturally comes out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that I've been trying to do a little bit more in my own writing lately, where I'm talking about growing up and how I was raised and stuff. And some of those jokes are some of the funnier jokes that I've been writing over the past, over the past year is because I'm actually being a little bit more honest with like, okay, who am I? Who was I? And then who am I now? Like, and yeah. Once you, once you find that, like for me, it's kind of like just looking at myself on the surface. I am very plain. You are. I am. I am a, I am when you're creating a character in an RPG video game, I am the base template for that i am pretty sure you're the base man in fallout 4 yep i am skin tone one i am hair color one i am eye color one i am body type one it is basic as fuck and i'm everything on random (laughs) (laughs) you really are but (laughs) Um, what the track what the fuck was that noise no when i think random i think woody woodpecker how old am i (laughs) who am i for (laughs) 
<laughs> what if the woodpecker wasn't relevant in the 80s even? What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> you did it again. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my god. There's no god here. <laughs> I was about to say only Zool. Again, I'm 25. Oh. <laughs> Ghostbusters came out in 85. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 86, maybe. Probably okay. 86. Oh, what fucking point was I made? Oh, uh, so, uh, but the, the thing for being a comedian is trying to find out how you're funny with who you are. And like I was saying, I'm a very plain guy. Well, how... Am I funny being a very plain guy? That's where I'm looking towards. A guy like Kyle Kinane with the persona and the person that he is, I feel like those match up pretty well. Yes. I've, uh, I've, uh, I met Kyle twice. I think Lucky when, he's, bastard. When, he, when he's come through Omaha, he's I, a, I mean, I never talked to him for an extended period of time. It's usually nice. Uh, we talk maybe, a minute and then I would leave. I was unemployed every time he came in, uh, came into Nebraska and I couldn't watch his show. And I always wanted he's, to, but he's just the person that he is off stage and on stage are not entirely dissimilar. And I think that is what makes his comedy a very pure form of comedy is that it is, not a character or a persona he's getting into. There are amplified versions of, course. of, of his personality that he struts on stage, <laughs> but there's like, essentially you're getting the same person. And I think that's very important. Like the closer your onstage persona is to you, I think the better your comedy will get, even if your persona and who you are, are pretty plain. Even a good example. Some people might be listening to this. And if you are listening, hi, both of you, and <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to press play during my work hours to listen to this. Um, I'm not saying I've done that. I'm saying I've done that. Anyways, uh, let's say you're you're and you're going to an open mic and you hear a new comic come up, mm -hmm. and you're listening to a joke, and there's that one voice in the back of your head, like voice in the back of your head that says, "I don't think he's done this. I don't think she's done this. Mm -hmm. This doesn't sound like her," and you can hear that dissonance or. It's general. It's so general that it's like this attains to everyone and no one at the same time. Yeah. That's because they're writing jokes for what they think a punchline would work for. Mm -hmm. Yes. Every comic does write a joke for if the punchline works. Mm -hmm. But then you watch a real, com uh, not a real comic, a different comic, a more experienced comic. And they, no, you're right. Real comic. Yeah. I'm under the school of thought. Whereas like, if you go to an open mic and you go to it regularly, guess what? You're a real comic now. Boom. Cause people, people would ask me a, at events or like after shows, like how do I become a real comic man? No one talks like that, but that's how I assume they talk <laughs> is how do I become a real comic man? And the answer is fucking show up. That's it. You're a comic now. Grand, uh, an old man at a bar told my mom and then told me when I used to, uh, when I used to sit with her, when she worked at the bar is if no one's laughing, it's not a joke. So the second rule is make yeah. people laugh. But you, once a real comic comes up on stage, you hear like Wins Winslow does Dumain, great comic. We've listened to him. Winslow Dumain. Dumain, yep. yep. Winslow Dumain, fucking love him. But that one joke that only he can tell is like, 
you ever drink water in the middle of the night so you have a reason to wake up in the morning? Yeah. Yeah, because you can hear his persona. You can hear his, like, just mad black hair and just sad, empty eyes saying that joke because that's Winslow. Mm -hmm. If I say it, it goes, eh, you probably wake up because you have a game that you need to do dailies on. Or if a person like me says it, like, you don't look like you'd be that person. People invite you to things. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's and there are only like there are only certain jokes that certain people can get away with telling. Like there are certain examples throughout this special that are only jokes that really only work if Kyle tells it. Right. Shower beer, I think, is one of them. I drink in my shower. I drink in my shower. Not like I need to drink so much that it carries over. I wait for the shower. I choose to drink in the shower because everybody deserves a spa day in this world. And I'm glad you agree with me. Why is it why is it perfectly acceptable? Oh, drive out somewhere and go to a spa. And if you lay down in their establishment with rose petals and champagne, that's fine. But I do it vertically in my own home with a six-pack on the back of the toilet for easy reach, and I'm some sort of scumbag all of a sudden. It's the one room you can be alone and naked and have a cocktail in. Every other room in your house has a, you know, a drink appointed to it. What are, you, are you on the porch? Have a mint julep on the porch. Oh, what are you? What are you, in your living room? Have a sophisticated scotch or a snifter of brandy. What are you, in the garage, tinkering around with your motors? I have a beer in the garage. But, oh, I'm going to have something in the bathroom. Like, you should probably go to meetings. No, man, I don't agree to that. I set it up. I have an event for myself. I have the drinks on the back of the toilet. Don't bring them in there with you. You don't need them that close. I have a waterproof Bluetooth speaker for the shower shelf. I put the iPod on shuffle in the other room, and I let Steve Jobs DJ my mood from beyond the grave. I've heard a lot of people do shower beer jokes, but the way that Kyle does it with, A, his persona, and his fervor for the fact that he enjoys the shower beer. And describing the music, I think, also. Because it describes what it feels like that would be on his playlist. Yes, exactly. Like, it's very it's stuff that seems very personal and specific. But also, I've met that person. Like, I know that person. Like the, I've he, been that person. Yeah, he is talk. He, he is essentially a template for people to who have lived a similar lifestyle to him to put themselves on essentially. And that's what makes, cause he is speaking to their experience. Like there are some people that you could have listened to a Kyle Kinane record and they probably would not like it simply because they wouldn't relate to some of the stuff that he's talking about. There are, there are some other jokes in there that are more general that I think people would enjoy. Yes. But when it gets to a few more specific things, like when he's talking about what exactly like the music he's listening to when he's in the shower, <laughs> it like that is a very specific type of person we have a friend that was giving me advice on this and he said i he doesn't like it when i go off the rails so i'm gonna go this is for you don uh <laughs> i'm gonna go off the rails what's your shower beer what's your what's your shower beer playlist my shower beer yes playlist? What, what's what's your album you listen to in the shower if i'm having a shower beer i'm not listening to music really it has been a bad day and i'm sitting with my thoughts that's mm. what i'm doing when I'm having a shower beer, it's it's my weekend. No one's asked me to do shit this weekend. And I'm no one's in the house. I have my speaker on. I have a thing full of cold beers. Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. 
and I'm just chilling through it. You seem like the type of person who should sit with your own thoughts for a while. That's what I you have, should do. That's why I have a therapist because I've been doing that too much. I mean, anything is better than Daft Punk, though. No, no, random access, access memories. It's not just uh, dance music. What it feels like, it's a history of music in its album, as well as what it feels like to me, at least, is, you know, those uh, water chambers when you're laying there in the dark uh, and your sensory deprivation yeah, tanks. That's what it feels like in its album through its use of silence and its use. Of, it's amazing. And that in a shower, it's just, mm, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. First album I bought on vinyl as well. It's a great fucking album. Go listen to it all the way through. It's a good album. It's, it's not like early Daft Punk. It's very much a departure of the rest of their style. It's really good. Well, another thing that I really like about this album is the way that he does bits inside of bits like he'll set yes like when he sets up the bit about falling in the shower it's because he was drinking in the shower well why are you drinking in the shower what are you doing when you're drinking in the shower you're listening to music what comes on motorhead songs and then lionel richie and the commodores and then mm. uh so you're thinking about love and that so he goes off on what are essentially tangents and then eventually later on he comes back. Like, you've completely forgotten the fact that he's in the shower right now. Yeah. Thinking about this. And then he brings you back to that story. And that's where rambling works. I think mm -hmm. rambling works when you have a general idea of where you want to go. And I wouldn't even say so much rambling because all of these jokes seem like they're thought out and maybe not fully, maybe not fully written because I've listened to a couple of podcasts with Kanane on it and it doesn't seem like he's much of a word like for a, word. A, a word for word yeah, writer. I hate writing word for word. Something about it is just way too slow. Brings it to a halt. Yeah, I tried not writing word for word for the longest time. I've started writing word for word, and it helps me a ton. Which depends that, on the joke. That's depends to, on the purpose. That, that's to each of their own. Yeah. Um, but he definitely knows what these jokes are and what he's trying to do with them, and just placing them in a way where structurally in the set, it makes sense. Right. Like he could probably take those jokes, do them on their own removing them from the context of this is what he's thinking about in the shower and it'll still probably stand. And then, but what's the benefit of putting them all together? And I think mm -hmm. the benefit is again, creating a little diorama. Yeah. It is creating, it is creating that again, not even necessarily a scene. Like there's multiple people and there's multiple parts and people are playing multiple parts. It's just that moment. Yes. Like this moment in the shower, this is what he is doing and what he is thinking. It's not a scene. There's not an act out. There's not a bunch of moving parts, uh, but that moment. And people have been in that moment. You've been in the yep. bathroom. You've been in the shower with a shower beer, listening to music, probably thinking about stuff, but contextualizing that line of thought into probably what is another different line of thought that he has had separately but putting it into that context and it makes a lot of sense exactly yeah I, I think creating a moment it's not something you think about i think when you're writing a joke sometimes sometimes especially if you're new or especially if you're trying to crank out a x amount of minutes mm -hmm. you're thinking about you're almost mathing it bump bump, bump you know bada 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 fart yeah you know thinking the bit to the punchline and and we we i talked a lot about writing a story and kyle can write the story in these dumb fucking minutes, in these dumb moments. Uh, and that's all they are. It's just a series of dumb moments, like the the cop mm. is affable or the 
Blowjob joke. The that one. That one makes me uncomfortable. It surprised me that he decided to close out his album with that one. But here's the thing. Could, as, you, could you have closed it with anything else? As far as a joke about that subject matter goes, that is probably the best I've ever seen so it good. done. Because he strikes the right sort of tone in the joke. Like, he's not setting this up like, this is an awesome story. It's, hey. This sucked. I feel bad about this. There are problems here. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing about me is enjoying it. Nothing about me likes what's happening. I'm just frozen and terrified and just going over everything in my head that blowjobs are supposed to be just high fives and smiles. But for me, up to this point, it's like, why is it always like this? <laughs> Why aren't these ever nice? <laughs> Nothing about me is enjoying it except for old fucking boner in a hammock down there because that doesn't know the difference at 22. You're 22 and your dick should just be laying there like, man, this is rad. <laughs> it's just betrayal. And the joke is framed, this is why compared to OCD, it's framed not in a, hey man, here's this weird blowjob story I got, blah. Um, I don't know. I assume that's what every Howard Stern po- uh, radio show sounds like. No, that's how most comedians sound to me whenever they start talking about a blowjob story. But it's more like, hey, have you ever walked to the store and then you have a bad thought and that bad thought doesn't go away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about those bad thoughts. <laughs> oh, were you having a, were you having an amazing day and then you had a bad thought and now you can't function and you just want to sit alone in the dark for an entire day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is what that joke essentially is going into detail. And in a sense, that's one of the other things that I like about this is I think Kyle, especially in the later jokes in this special, there are too many people that I see now who are trying to use comedy as therapy. They're trying to talk about a fucked up situation, <laughs> a fucked up thing or fucked up, whatever. Hi. But you're, they're missing the comedy is not therapy. Comedy is comedy. The point is to try to make people laugh. And I think in that joke, he strikes the right balance of comedy can be therapeutic. Yes. But ultimately. It's about being funny. It's about being funny. I got a note once from the funny bone. Yeah. You've told me about this. Yeah. yeah. Therapy. Uh, an open uh, mic is not a uh, therapy couch. Yeah. And I've thought about that for years. It's been mm. a few years since that. And I've been I've been saying that, you know, comedy or any type of art is a great way for you to exercise demons and open up emotions and to be the person you really want to be. I Mm -hmm. think me talking about killing myself made me a lot more aware of my suicidal thoughts and therefore allowed me to face them a lot quicker. Whereas but on the other hand, you can't just be droopy dog on a fucking mic and just bumming everybody out. Yeah. Anyways, um, I want to find inflection because I was right before I listened to this. Uh, especially I was reading a Goldman tweet uh, about no matter how well written you are, you have to go up on stage and keep performing over and over again. Cause your greenness will always show. Yeah. And I'm tweaking that with Kyle Kinane cause you can always hear when the voice goes up and when the voice goes down and it's funny. And sometimes the way you say a joke and how you say a joke, sometimes you don't think about it, but that's just as important as how much you write it. A really well written joke can still fucking bomb if you don't perform it, if you don't yeah. say it well, 
if you're having a bad night, if you're feeling a little hungover, if you're flying in from LAX and, you're, and your ears are popped, you're still fucking, you still got to give that joke 110%, even if it's the best suicide joke you have in your repertoire, Jeremy. So you're just talking to yourself now. Is that I what am. you're doing? Okay. Yeah, but, but, this is what drinky Jeremy does. But no, you're right. There have been times where I'm so glad I'm recording, by the way. <laughs> I will have a set that doesn't go as well. And I'll listen back to it and it's like, oh yeah, it's because I didn't actually perform anything. Yeah. Like I just I just said stuff. And that's the thing. When it like when it comes to comedians, like anybody can say funny things. That's a conversation. Yeah. Comedians say things funny. Exactly. That is what the difference between a regular person and a comedian is. It's like everybody has a funny story, but can you make what is essentially just a thought you had about drinking a beer in the shower, going back to Kanane's special, can you make that funny? And how can you make that funny? Is it how you present it? Is it how you say the thought? Is it whatever? You have to figure it out. And I've always been afraid of saying that because sometimes it, that feels like you're looking at the forest for the trees. But on the other hand, take your best joke. Say it monotone. Not funny. No. It's boring. No. I'm bored. You take Stop talking, David. Take any, take any comedian's best joke and remove the performance, just read it. I mean, there are some people who write funny as well. Um, listen to, sit in your room, listen to Class Clown. Yeah. Read Class Clown. Yeah. Half of that is unintelligible and boring. Yeah. Great, on the other hand, read Tina Fey. <laughs> yeah. Tina Fey's audiobook, fuck, uh, fucking amazing. And her <laughs> writing is amazing. Well, I mean, books and comedy are different, though. Like, right. When you're but writing, I still, you're, I actually audibly laughed out loud. But if you listen to, like, a person, like, a transcription of a joke, and you look at it, you break it down. Yeah. I take Nataro. Most people one I would pick. probably not going to be funny just reading it. No. Unless it's a story, then maybe it'll be funny reading it. But for most people, as far as jokes go and writing jokes, you're not, you're probably not going to laugh. Like no. whenever, like whenever uh, I'll occasionally ask somebody to read a joke no. that I wrote, or they will ask me to do the same. It's people who I write with. Just read the joke. We read it and we think about, I always think about how they would be performing it. And that's what makes it funny. If I'm just reading it itself, eh, it's flat. It's dull. It's, it sucks. I read a joke. I did a, it's the cop joke. Mm -hmm. Me and another com uh, comic. This was way early when it was the focus of the joke was tell me a joke. And a, yeah, yeah. The early one, um, Google docs sent it to a comic and we just read it back and forth. A lot of that shit got cut. And you want to know why? Because you read it. Yeah. When I say, I'm saying the, almost the exact same joke now. It's a little quicker, a little bit tighter, a lot of the fat's mm -hmm. cut. But it's funnier because of how I'm saying it. And sometimes mm -hmm. you got to. Sometimes you have to think about how you say it. And that does not mean you stand in front of a mirror and you focus on every syllable and you focus on your voice inflections. Mm -hmm. You, sometimes that can be solved on, for me yeah. at least. You solve that on stage. You write yeah. and then you solve, you find the beats of the joke and you solve it on stage. Like when, uh, and Cal Kinane's, uh special, when he's talking about the shower, the mood shift in the shower, none of that would be as funny. No. 
unless he had that inflection when he's talking about the athlete who just lost the big game. Kind of on purpose. Yeah, kind of on purpose, though. And it's fantastic because it just, I don't know, it just makes a joke feel more alive. Because I could say all of those words to you right now, and they wouldn't be funny. They'd actually kind of be pretty sad. We talked, talked, I was going to say, but the way he says it is funny. Well, another good example is I like the phrase, you're guzzling the beers versus you're guzzling the beers. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess for me, I like speaking in allegories. Reason why Weird Al was one of my things. Reason mm-hmm. why Weird Al was one of my inspirations. I was in speech, college, and I did a POI, a program of interpretation. You get a bunch of uh, ideas, a bunch of works put together to create an argument mm-hmm. or a thesis. Mine was how Weird Al, the embracing the weird moniker, embraces individuality, and basically how being weird or unique or different allows you to find yourself. Yada, 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 boring. But I ended up having to do a bite a bunch of Weird Al songs in front of me. And I knew I had to make them funny. But I couldn't just say them, and I couldn't say them like Weird Al, because that would be cringeworthy yeah. and boring. Yeah. I can't be Weird Al. But I can be Jeremy saying something, I can say white and nerdy in a fun little weird way. I can crank that shoulder boy when I say uh, riding on the Segway and do stuff that's uniquely me. Mm-hmm. You could take something that's someone else's words even and tweak them to be your own and it's mm-hmm. it then becomes a little bit of you. That doesn't mean you steal someone else's jokes. I was going to say, you yeah. just described joke thievery. That's right. not you. <laughs> no, what I mean is like... <laughs> I could make, you could make Shakespeare funny and actors for years have been making Shakespeare comedies funny mm-hmm. by making them relate to themselves and how they would say it. Yeah. You have to think about how you say a joke in order to be funny. And that is the, that is the whole point of performance. It's the basis of stand up. Yeah. Because I mean, you could, you could look at any comedian's jokes and if you just take the words, it might not be funny, no. but if you take how they say it, how it's delivered, that's what makes it funny. It's kind of like you could take a, line from any sort of drama or serious movie and it just falls flat if it's not delivered well go look up there's a bunch of you on youtube there's a bunch of uh audition tapes Mm -hmm. of awkward guys doing denzel washington's monologue from training day (sighs) okay all right I'm putting cases on you, bitch ass. Huh? You think you can do this? Jet! You think you can do this shit to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay after I'm done with your ass. Shoot program. 23 hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. Who the fuck do you think you're fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. That's right. Walk away. I'm going to burn this shit down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Oh, you motherfuckers. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Huh? You think you can do this shit? Jay! You think you can do this to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. 
shoe program. 23 hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go on, walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. It is amazing just the difference. Like, the, the way a delivery works. Yep. And that is one thing that I've always loved about Kinane is his delivery. It's almost art. It's, it's an art form in and of itself. Mm. You could have him read a phone book. And if he does that weird voice inflections. Dude, I was on a comedy festival, the Crom Comedy Festival here in Omaha. That was years ago. That was yeah. years ago. The Crom Comedy Festival is no longer a thing. He was on a show called Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction. It is a fantastic oh. show that is also a podcast. It is so much fun. Kyle Kinane had to do an, uh, it's a speech term. Impromptu. Impromptu. There we go. Wow. Nailed yeah. it. I fucking he, nailed it. He had to, Ooh. because there are other people who had prepared their topics uh, ahead of time. And they read those off. And while those people were reading theirs off, people backstage had to write their own story. So what he did was his recommendation was Julia Childs, the, the cook. So mm. he went backstage. Apparently he couldn't think of a story. So what he did is he just read a recipe from a Julia Childs cookbook. And then the way he said it and then extra things he added, like just random bullshit. Fuck, one I want to see funniest, that. As far as like an actual erotic fan fiction goes, wasn't great. But as a performance in general, it was fucking amazing. Yeah. It was so funny. Holy shit. But yeah, you could he, you can literally give him a recipe and the way he will read it will be funny. It's about how you say it. Yes. And I guess going on to the third act of this podcast, if you had to take one thing from this album in order to improve your comedy, which we both have over the years, yes. what would you say? Delivery is important. Delivery yep. is almost as important as writing. At the same time, though, just this is my personal belief. You will find how to deliver the joke. You won't always find the writing on stage, but you will always find how you deliver the joke. So go to every on open stage. mic. Go to open mics with your jokes written or not. Like you can have a freeform style. That's fine. As long as you know what you want to talk about and it's going to make sense. Yep. But you'll find how you deliver the joke on stage. You find the beats. You find the fact that if I say this word just I mispronounce it that makes this joke funnier yep you'll find that stuff the more you get out there and that's one of the things I took away from this is find how to deliver the joke because delivery is one of the most essential pieces of comedy exactly I think for me as well as that answer the question who am I and guess what I've been thinking I told you I've been thinking about that Four years. I can't give you an answer about who I am, but I hope my set kind of says it for me. Well, the other thing about this album is Cal Kinane isn't necessarily addressing the question of who am I nope. in this special either. He'd address that in his first special, Death of the Party. Uh, yep. And then he addresses more of it in Whiskey Icarus. And then this one, I liked his old stuff better. He addresses essentially the new person who he is. Exactly. Like each one, he addresses it a little bit, but you already know going in, what his frame of mind was exactly. And then you're finding out what it is now. Once you find out who you are, mm -hmm. your jokes 
are written around it. Yeah. May not be the theme of your five minutes, mm-hmm. but it's it's accurately said in your five minutes. Mm-hmm. I know who David is in his five minutes. I know who I am in my five minutes. I know who Margie is in her five. I know Richard whenever he edits the podcast. But third act, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I didn't ask you the first episode. Favorite sandwich. Favorite sandwich. Fuck yeah. Ooh. Oh, mm. 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 It's a toss up between a BLT and a meatball sub. A good meatball sub's really good. A good meatball sub. Have you ever had Ragazzi's? No, where is that at? Go to Ragazzi's on 156th and Maple. It's a bit west for me, but I'll do it. It is. Well, they had a location that was over by like the Ralston Arena over on 72nd, but that closed down. Text me the name of that. I'm going to go. Will do. Okay. Um, The sandwich I like to make that are my favorite. One, I I do love a royal treat on a garlic parm. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Is this sandwich question because we had the- Yep. No, Hot it's because conversation. No, or? no, I was I was in the sandwich mood and I was just hungry. Okay, <laughs> but uh, I love I love a good royal treat from uh, Little Kinks with spicy mustard, onion, salt and pepper. My mom always swears on oil and vinegar and some buffalo sauce. Mm. But if I'm making a sandwich, one, it's uh, an egg sandwich, toasted with toast, uh, a nice good chunk of cheddar cheese, an egg, hard yolk, or like a little not too not too runny. A salt, pepper, a good slab of onion, some mustard, and you're done. Onion. I like onion. Onion. I like onion. I wonder it's hard to talk to you face-to-face. Yeah, it's okay, fair. Okay, here we go. Well, that, or tuna fish sandwich with a little bit of a Miracle Whip, some corn. My oh. old man made it with corn. It's really good. Uh, All right. Some salt and pepper, uh, maybe a toasted bread, maybe not, uh, and a little bit of onion. I like onion. I guess I don't know. It's it's a good sandwich. I'm just saying. It's a good sandwich. Get some chips and a nice soda. It's a good time. Welcome to running the sandwich <laughs> with Jeremy Plum. That's I like sandwiches, man. <laughs> it's a meal in itself. It's a good time. Uh the double down from KFC is a good fucking sandwich that Ooh. will kill me. Oh. Mm. Have you ever had the have you ever had the Rodeo King from Burger King? I just had that yesterday. Oh, good sandwich. A good sandwich. It's a good sandwich. I'm gonna get gout because of it. Yep, I'm okay with that. Yep. No, good right. time. Anyways, next question. Weirdest open mic experience. I'm not answering this one because I already answered it on another podcast. Ooh, weirdest open mic experience. All right. Last well, night doesn't count. <laughs> no. The uh, the weirdest open mic experience I've ever had was, so you know Duffy's in Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it didn't happen here, but you know how they do improv games yes. during the, like they do short form improv games. Sex with me is like blank. Yep. Slogans. Uh, other stuff. Whatever. Well, we tried doing that in open mic that was at the hideout, which is now the lookout lounge over on 72nd and Dodge. And during one of the improv games, a old man who kind of looked like George R.R. Martin came in and he just pulled out a katana and started pointing it at all of us on stage and like kind of swinging it around. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I missed some Naruto shit. Oh, it Attack was, on Titan shit. It was scary and weird. He I, he was just drunk. He wasn't going to hurt anybody. And he was just excited to show everybody a katana that apparently his nephew from it, who was in the Marine station at Okinawa sent him. God. It was, but he was swinging a very sharp sword around in yeah. a very tight how space. They, it was. How did they let that in the bar? Oh, this was back when it was the hideout. The dude who ran that place didn't give a flying fuck. 
what you brought in, who you brought in, who came in. Do you remember the time at Barley Street? There was a fight going on with a couple, and then someone, story says that there were brick, but what it sounded like was a gunshot through glass, and everyone freaked out and hid. Mm-hmm. I wasn't at that mic. But I, I was at that story. mic. I was at that mic, and I hid in the stage room. Mm-hmm. You know, the confined area with only one exit. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I hid. The stage room doesn't have an exit. It has that one little door that leads to the main uh, bar. So I was in a yeah, confined no, space. No, yeah. Yeah. No, there's no exit. There's no in exit. That room. You go into the room where the people would be shooting. <laughs> yes. And so we all freaked the fuck out. That was my weirdest open mic experience. <laughs> Favorite tip that you had. Favorite joke that I have. Yep. Right now, I think it has to be the joke that I tell about the prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. That's a good one. When I was young, my parents taught me and all of my siblings bedtime prayers because we were raised in a religious household. And the first prayer that they ever taught me when I was four years old was the prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, which goes, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep guard me, Jesus, through the night. Wake me with the morning light. Amen. Now, if anybody else here knows that prayer, or if you've ever listened to the song Enter Sandman by Metallica, (laughs) you know that that's not how that prayer goes. (laughs) They taught me a different version. Yeah, they taught me a different version because the prayer is actually supposed to go, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. They taught me that part right. Then that prayer takes a really dark turn. (laughs) And the next part goes, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Hands down, the best parenting decision my parents ever made (laughs) was to not tell me at four years old that I could die in my sleep. (laughs) Because I was a nightmare to try to get to go to bed as a kid. Could you imagine how much worse it would have been if they'd sat me down at four and been like, hey, you know how you go to bed every night and you wake up every morning? Well, sometimes that second part don't happen. All right, good night. Bye. <laughs> That's been Running the Light, and I hope we made your car ride, your workout, your your work day a little bit better. This is Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I am David Kalsgaard. You can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at David underscore Kalsgaard. That's K-O-U-S-G-A-A-R-D. And uh, yeah, follow me there. Also, be sure to check out uh, BrokenMagicComedy.com. That is uh, something that I do with Zach Peterson that has a bunch of upcoming shows in the Omaha area that you can check out if you want to do that. Uh, I am Red Shoes Plum on Twitter and Plum Jeremy on Instagram. Guys, thank you. And uh, David, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.